Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Shah Hero Night Live. And today, Jayina, who will be sharing her story. She was formerly an agnostic and she's also a businesswoman right now. Jayina here is a Chinese Muslim revert and she currently has her own business called Anya Meals. So do check it out on Instagram. You can type her name, Jayina, as it's spelled on the label there with a dot C. Okay, check out what business is she doing with Anya Meals. Basically, baby products. Okay, so without much further ado, okay, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Sister Jayina. Welcome to the show. Salam. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for, you know, um, being so kind to be on our show to share your story. Um, Thanks for having today. me. Yeah, awesome. Maybe you want to share a bit about yourself first, yeah? A bit like, you know, a bit of background story of who you were before you became a Muslim. Yeah. Okay, so I was brought up in a family of um, atheists, I think. I'm not even sure because we don't really discuss about religion. Yeah, okay. when I asked my mom about um, religion in the past, she would say, uh, you can make your own decision as you become adults, but you're too young to think about it. And I don't believe in a God, so... Yeah, I believe in aliens more than having a god up in the sky. So I guess that was how I was brought up. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, until I became an adult, then I think I, I guess I was more free to think for myself in a way. Yeah. Oh, so when when you were young, without a god, how was that kind of environment like? Like you just focused on schoolwork and being kind and nice to your family and that's it? Like there's no... Like, I mean, when you have troubles in life, everyone has troubles, right, during that, 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 that whole journey in life. So during that point, uh, who do you ask for help, like, besides your parents? Do you, like, <laughs> just God or something? I guess at the point of time, without knowing that there is an option of, like, God, mm -hmm. um, you would think that you can only rely on your parents or yourself. And I was the elder sibling. So <laughs> I honestly didn't have many avenues to turn to. Mm -hmm. So there were many times when I had problems, I had to keep them to myself or like I, to, I, I had to solve my problems myself. If my problems with, with my parents, then all the, all the more like, good luck to me. Ah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess that was it. Like I had to learn to deal with my own problems using my own like thinking and my own emotions and whatnot. And I think my, the only guidance that I had were from my parents also for my parents and I guess it's rooted in uh, traditional Chinese culture and say and they will go like oh this is how this was how we were brought up and so this is how we are going to bring you up and there are definitely a set of uh, moral values you know mm -hmm. that we are being taught in every culture every you know every tradition um, but I I guess that was enough for me as I was growing up Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I think later on, that was when I decided that I I, I wanted more. Ah. Yeah, because there, there must be a, a better guide to life than this. I see, I see. So, okay, yeah. then at that point in time, you were not agnostic in the sense you might be more atheist at that point. It's just your parents, right? But eventually, you grew into an agnostic. Like, you feel there's some supreme power greater than everything in this world. Something like that. I honestly, I didn't really give much thought in, into it because I was told not to think about it, oh. and I wasn't sure why. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it was because my parents 
didn't know enough to talk about it or were or if they were afraid to talk about it mm. um but my father's side of the family like they were all christians and my mom's side i don't even know if they were buddhists but um i guess they were were kind of buddhists in a way but for my family it was more of like like um like don't think about it so to me i always did wonder if there was a higher being above and i was pretty sure that the world didn't just turn out the way um it was like some someone must have given us a form of intellect you know mm. like emotional intelligence and and these things so i did wonder for a bit yeah I see so so your fa- your father is a uh, side of the family is christian but your father is christian also lah now i think he's buddhist oh now he's buddhist so he was formerly like brought up in a christian family so he must be christian in a sense right no he wasn't actually i think his his siblings all joined christianity later mm. on in life oh okay okay i'm not sure at which point in their life but my father just never did yeah oh okay 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 so he didn't want a religion at the point ah he just uh just live life as usual and your mom your mom says it's all buddhist lah i think you think so lah okay right i mean they don't they don't practice the usual like chinese customary like burning of hell notes and stuff she don't do that so customary yes but i did ask my mom about it like was it because they were buddhist or like do we do it because we are buddhist um because i do know that during the hungry ghost festival my mom would burn the joss papers and like give offerings mm. and what not so i asked it i asked if it's because she's buddhist and then she said no i just follow just because oh okay okay yeah because like it was more of a Chin- a chinese tradition okay yeah or custom okay okay so uh, at the point also you just follow them follow i seen i mean i i follow my grandma a bit uh, i was brought up a catholic but my grandma mm. is also burning the hell notes and all that they are also not They don't recognize themselves as a particular religion, like I'm Buddhist or I'm Taoist. It's more like a hybrid, lah. I would say they would take yeah. what the Mary and what they believe is what their parents also taught them, and just use it. Yes. Lah. Right. So pretty yes. much the same. Um, yeah. And okay. So how did you, from you know that background, um, and you say you got you were kind of like inkling, you feel like there's a supreme being. Uh, how did you eventually come to find out about islam i mean you would have christian friends coming up to you and invite you to church right i mean i had a lot of yes. that in, in secondary school <laughs> a plenty <laughs> yeah. a lot a lot yeah i did so, i i did go to church um it wasn't a constant thing but like when someone asks i would go they would say oh it's like a christmas event like it'll be fun so i just went for the fun of it It wasn't because ah. of the religious aspect of it, yeah. But when I went, I I felt no connection. I didn't feel like there was a, I don't know. I think I had a lot of questions about Christianity that was still that are still unanswered till today. So, um, like that wasn't the route for me. Okay. Yeah, and like you said, like a lot of friends around me were Christians. I think that was like the the majority of the friends that I had. But I also had a lot of Malay friends. Who are Muslims, obviously, but they don't talk about their religion. They don't go and profess like, hey, you know, I pro- I love Prophet Muhammad. You know, I love Allah. I love the, like you. They they are just like secretly, not secretly. They are just quietly um practicing their faith, mm. and 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 you see how it has already affected their way of life, and it makes you curious. It makes you wonder. 
you know um it's not like they go down the streets and go like oh come revert to islam you know but you you see muslims practicing their their religion um through their life through like their daily tasks and and obviously it made me quite curious lah in a way yeah because there's so much bad name to islam so i think the the point of time where i really got uh interested like really interested to ask the the deeper questions was when um i started flying and that was when i went to istanbul and that was when i was immersed in like you know the islamic architecture and and that was the first time i heard um the calls to prayer all around me and that was Wait, the first time i heard islam you were you were flying you were no, pilot no obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was only a cabin crew okay okay but i mean uh, yeah. traveling to east okay so you travel a lot and then istanbul was one of the places that you stumble upon and you heard the call mm-hmm. to prayer yeah sorry carry on yeah so i think that was the first time i heard the calls to prayer all around me and and everyone were just going to the mosques to pray and one and i think that was when i first started to 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 feel curious mm-hmm. to ask deeper questions than um besides the superficial ones like hey, why muslims cannot eat pork and why do do uh, muslim men have so many wives and what not like really the deeper questions so I think that was when I started to ask my friends about it because I didn't know where to turn to to ask these questions. Mm. And I'm a very curious person. I like to ask questions just to form an understanding. And I believe that that's how we learn. And I believe that um Allah Allah gave me my hidayah through that. Yeah, through mm. my curiosity of learning. And then I asked around and one of my friends told me um actually we can give you answers but the answers are not going to be perfect the answers are not going to be good enough in fact like um you can go and ask an asatiza but if you're too shy i suggest that you start reading the quran first mm. and that was when i started reading quran i bought one an english translated copy from darul akam uh darul akam's library um and then i got stuck at surah al baqarah because it was so long and then i was like i think I think this is too much for me. It's such a long chapter and there's like so many things inside and he told me just read the entire Quran on its own. Um and alhamdulillah after I finished the Quran for the first time I felt that all my answers were all my questions were answered. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'm curious here. Okay. So I got a few questions. So one is um okay, you know like the Quran stories in the Quran are also quite uh relatable to judeo christian uh stories right like they have stories of yes. jesus mary and you know by I mean we call isa and mariam and uh, um and you say you formally went to your friend's church and they probably also have you know jesus and stuff or, or the cross at least and they how come that kind of setting and that kind of environment that you were in versus what you are going through right now I'm not saying that they are the same religion, but what I'm trying to say is like they pretty much share the same story, right? Uh, in in terms of the yeah, history, okay. yeah. How how come one attract you more than the other? I think that's a very important question, and that's a very good question to ask. Um, I did think about it also. Why do they have similar traits 
and yet I am more drawn to Islam than um, towards the others. And I did read the Old Testament and the New Testament. And um, I'm not going to go into that, but I'm going to talk about how the Quran made me feel. Mm-hmm. And after reading the Quran for the first time, I think my mind was just blown. And uh, <laughs> there is no way that an unlettered man could have written the entire Quran. You know, that was my first thought because the Quran itself is not only a literal, a literary miracle, it was also mathematical and scientific. And there were so many things inside that wowed me, especially all the scientific verses. Um, and when I read about uh, Prophet Isa and Makriam, I was just... I think I, I felt settled. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain that feeling, but I felt settled like knowing that they are actually so highly revered in Islam. Yeah. But at the point of time, I think I wasn't really focused on these characters or these people in Islam. I was more focused on the, the emotional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And... I always, I've always been brought up to believe that we have to use our intellect in everything. You know, you have to use your brain to think about this and that. Um, my parents tried to hone critical thinking in me and, and whatnot. Um, but then there's this part about Islam which, which really drew me to it. Um, and it's that we have to use our akal in everything, right, in Islam. And that didn't just constitute intellect but there was also emotional aspects of it that it includes emotional intelligence which is um which are your intrapersonal intelligence and your interpersonal uh, intelligence and i i felt like i really i had this connection to to it and i after knowing more about prophet muhammad and how he 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 was um the messenger of islam i think i really felt very connected to him and I don't know, it was, it was a very, it was a very um, wholesome feeling, you know, after I first read the Quran. And mm-hmm. I, don't know how to, I don't know how else to explain that feeling. And the Quran, even though um, it explained everything very simply to me, it wasn't reductionistic. It was very holistic instead. Mm-hmm. And that was what I really liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned some verses in the Quran. Of course, maybe you might, I don't know if you can remember some of the scientific verses, but what was some of the verses that, you know, you felt was like, wow, mind-blowing to you? Um, they talked about human uh, reproduction, mm-hmm. first of all, um, that we started from a clot. And how did they know that 1,400 years ago? Um, they mentioned about how the moon... Uh, the, how the planets revolved around the sun um, and that the moon was, um, the light from the moon is actually just a reflection from the, from the sun. Um, and that mountains were packed to the earth. Like it was just these little things that I noted and I felt like, wow, at a point of time, I think there was no way Prophet Muhammad could have written this on his own. Mm-hmm. And the point is, how yeah. old were you roughly that you, you know, started to look into Islam? How did I start it? How did I, I start it? At, at what age were you at that point in time? 
goodness, 2014. I was I was 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that. So, in my mid-20s. Huh? So like um, for 25 years, you say you have Muslim friends <laughs> who practice their faith. I mean, and also you met some Christian friends who brought you to church and stuff. So um, it's only then when you were a cabin crew flying to Istanbul, listening to the Azan, seeing people going to the mosque, right? And then um, afterwards, you went to read the Quran for yourself when your friend asked you to read it, that finally it clicked suddenly that this is something that speaks to you directly, resonates with you. So, yes. so at that point in time, do you have any fears you know, about the religion? Like, I mean, you say that you, know, you do have some... It, you know, some impression of it from the media, how badly it was like being shown, being a terrorist and stuff, you know, etc. So did how come that did not deter you? Like, uh, I mean, of course, externally you see things are beautiful, right? But maybe some people are just scared lah, because they, they 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 hear so much from the news, right? So how did you overcome that? Um our understanding, I think first of all, I had to understand that my understanding is not complete, definitely, because my understanding is arbitrary, right? Mm-hmm. And it's how we process information that is really critical. And I wanted to find out more about Islam first, which is why I started going for classes first before I, I, I made a decision. But that was what my brain was telling me. What my heart was telling me was different. You know, mm-hmm. um, even though I, I said that I was going to go for classes um, to learn more first and, and make a decision. But my heart was already drawn to Islam. And after I finished reading the Quran for the first time, to me, there was no turning back already. Mm. You know? And at a point of time, I felt scared, honestly, because I felt like I was against the world. I was the only person in my mind that um, where I knew that I wanted to do this. I didn't know how. I didn't know who to go to. Um, I didn't know what to do. But I do know how people will be against it, especially my family, mm. my my mom, yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like when I I just felt like my understanding was very superficial, mm. you know. And and I can only try to gain more knowledge and more information first before I make a decision decision. And I was I was telling myself like don't be influenced by the noise and noise being um, information from the media. You know, because I think from 9-11 at the point of time, um, Islam was getting so much stick. You know, Muslims were getting so much stick for just for being Muslim. And and my my brain was going like why 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 is the world against Islam but why am I still so drawn to Islam? So I think it was very conflicting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at that point of time. So some things cannot really be expressed in words, lah. I guess. <laughs> I guess it's your heart that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Your heart was the one that drew you, uh, taking the the the, the courageous step forward to. Um, I guess yeah. to go against the flow, right? Or to basically yeah. uh, trust in, in your heart and also in the knowledge that you've gathered for yourself. And I guess you were also quite open-minded. You're not so 
um, judgmental, you know, just get what the media say and then that's it, that's your impression on Islam and that's it, you're not going to find out about it. It's, I guess, yeah, when Allah gives you hidayah, it's just it, you know. When the when your mind and your heart is awake, um, you have a greater responsibility than when they are asleep. So I think my responsibility at that point of time was to to learn more. Yeah. And and if and if my heart and my if my heart and my mind weren't opened by the law in the first place, I wouldn't have taken that step out. Mm. Yeah. So um okay, I, I guess you 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 already know like what were the common misconceptions about Islam. Uh for example, like men with four wives and and all that. Um, did, how come that did not deter you? I mean, I'm just asking it because most women would probably think like, how can I share a husband with three other women, right? Yeah. So, how do you overcome the stigma? Um, I definitely still have to read more into it because that wasn't um, one of the things that I'm, that wasn't one of the things that I'm focused on. But I do know that in Islam, from a Muslim man to marry another wife, you have to treat your second wife, your third wife and your fourth wife equally. So it is honestly um, I wouldn't say that it's impossible but it's really very difficult for a man to be, uh, for any person actually to be to treat everyone equally. Would you love all four wives the same? Would you give all four wives the same thing? Um, would you give each of them a house or you know like would you be able to humanely do all these things? Um, and th- there is a reason why at a point of time they allow up to four wives and we have to understand that in the context of when the Quran was written, it was during war times and that um, many women were being made, um, they were widowed, right? So m- many men were lost to war. So I think that was the reason why um, that was written at a point of time because they needed the men to take care of the women and the children um, instead of allowing them to be widows and orphans. Right. Mm. And so I think that, that, that is my understanding of it. And I feel like it's a very fair, um, it's a very, it, it's fair, lah, right. Um, it's not to be taken out of context where, um, by Muslims and non-Muslims alike, where they say, oh, men can marry four wives for their pleasure. It's really not it. It's actually a lot of work. Yeah. Because mm. it encompasses even the rights of the wife, the rights of the children of hers, <laughs> and everything, right? So uh, yeah. when you say being fair, you have to be fair, not only to the lady or the second lady, and even your, the children that she bear for you and all that. Um, so any point in time, if you're not fair, I believe, you know, you will have already made a sin uh, yeah, to definitely, God definitely yeah yeah so so I think so he has already made a that kind yeah. of yeah not many men want to get into the kind of sticky situation where you know yes. you you are constantly making a mistake right to go to God yeah. um, furthermore if many Muslim men in Singapore were to marry more than one wife of course we won't have a problem with aging population uh, in Singapore <laughs> because they will have a lot of children right I mean but we don't do it because of that reason if that was you know, really the case, we will, we will really have a lot of Muslim men with many wives here in Singapore. But that is not yeah. because it's, yeah, we, 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 know, we know the context of how it's been applied. And again, you know, during right. the time, there were a lot of emperors and kings with multiple wives, but they're not wives actually, they were more like concubines or mistresses. Concubines. 
and and they do not you know have the rights of a wife and they don't like get the inheritance like a wife should have like if the husband dies so i guess yeah. in some sense the quran uses this to protect the women if men were to have more than one wife you are to ensure that they are being fed they are going to be taken care of even after you die kind of thing yes yeah so so um okay so from that point on uh istanbul and you know finding about it so you went to darakam to find out about it and um and i guess you shut out all the media misconceptions um was was there a a, a partner in your life or so at the point that also encouraged you forward to islam Did um you... yeah my current husband mm-hmm. was then my boyfriend um It's religion wasn't something that we we discussed about because I think first of all I didn't want to let him know that I was interested because mm-hmm. I didn't want him to think oh no she's going to revert to Islam because of me oh. you know I didn't want to give him that um that that weight that sense of responsibility you know I wanted to find out more about Islam for me and mm-hmm. I didn't want him to think oh no I'm going to I'm going to have to marry her now Because it's going to be such a great responsibility to marry a revert, you know, someone who is so new in Islam. Um, so I think it took me a while. I was reading the Quran first, and I think even before I finished reading, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it yet. So I had to ask him some questions, ah, uh. yeah, and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask him some questions, ah, uh. and even when we went out together, like he would say, ah, uh, you wait for me a while, and then um, I would wait for him outside the mosque, and then he would go in. And then I'll listen to the azan, and I'll be thinking, like somehow I just catch myself thinking, maybe one day I'll be inside. Yeah, mm. and it's a want, like a want to be inside. I wonder how it's it's like going to be. Um, I wonder how it's it's going to be like for me to be praying inside along, um, all the other sisters. Mm. You know, and yeah, I think that it was just curiosity. I I had a lot of uh, it was a wondrous feeling actually. So so, when did you revert, and how did you felt like when you say your shahada? I reverted back in two thousand and fourteen, late two thousand and fourteen, and I think that feeling was just um, wow. There were many feelings involved. I think I felt like I was brand new. Um, I felt calm. I felt settled. I felt like I was at peace, and but then I was also um, a little scared oh. because I wasn't sure whether um, my mom would take well to it. I knew I, I I knew that she wasn't, but I didn't know if she was going to accept me for who I am. Yeah. And it was a mixture of feelings, lah. It was very daunting and overwhelming, actually. Hmm. <laughs> so how did you overcome that? I mean, I believe there are a lot of other people out there, uh, who might want to embrace Islam and they just worried about their families, you know, not accepting them, or being chased out of the house. <laughs> I mean, there are stories yeah. like that. Right? Yeah. So yeah. How how did you overcome that? I think your focus at the point of time is going to be very important. Like you need to have um, tawakal. You definitely need to have faith in Allah and trust that He put you on this journey because He knows that you can handle it. Mm-hmm. And at the point of time, um, um, and Ustad told me that 
Allah only tests his strongest soldiers. So at a point of time, that that verse really gave me hope and to know that um, he trusted in me mm-hmm. to handle this challenge. And, and I know there were many things that were beyond my control. So honestly, I just left it up to him. I did my best, the best that I could um, as a daughter. Um, yeah, but at one of time, I told myself, just make dua that my parents' hearts will be open. And Alhamdulillah, it was like mm. they were really, um, I mean, it took time, definitely, because it's not, it's not a miracle thing where, where, oh, the next day you'll be like, oh, okay, it's fine, you know. Because I know my parents, like I was brought up in a very traditional family. And I think obviously they, they came from a place of love and good. And they were worried that I wasn't sure what I was going into. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the point of time, I told myself, if I don't trust in Allah, <laughs> then there's no one else who can help me. Yeah. Wow. So um, didn't your, did your parents say like, oh, are you going to be Malay now? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my parents say that, you know, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, how did you respond to, to that, you know? I think there was a point of time where I told myself, um, patience is key, definitely. And um, when you sabar, it's, it's more about learning how to con- um, control yourself and knowing what to answer and how to answer and when to answer, you know. So, um, I very patiently answered my mom's questions. I think my father was okay, I guess. Like, he was like, ah, you just do what you want. Ah. Like, it's more of mommy, you know. And I think she, she didn't ask me a lot of questions, I guess, because I think she didn't want to really delve into the topic of religion and whatnot because we didn't really talk about religion as we were growing up in the first place and as i've mentioned before i don't know whether is it because she doesn't know much to talk uh, know much about it or whether it was because she was afraid to talk about it but i do know that when you do know some you don't know something it makes you scared it makes you fear and um i definitely know that she wasn't surrounded by she don't have muslim friends so obviously what you don't know is going to scare you and she's afraid of change. So I can only show her by actions and not words that um, Islam is making me a better person. Yeah. And thank God, uh, Islam teaches so much about that. You know, like um, our emotional awareness, uh, our emotional intelligence has to be heightened, especially when dealing with in this aspect, you know. Yeah. Mm. And and uh, oh, I'm I'm surprised, you know, because usually fathers are very protective of their daughters. They will say, "No, no, cannot, cannot." You know, you marrying Malay guy, then some more you're going to be Malay or something. They will stop, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm yeah. happy that uh, I mean your your father is very open, and I guess he gives you the freedom to to do what you want. Um, and also a main point is also you you pray lah, and you ask for Allah's help. Uh, in yeah. This so okay, there are some people who say that you know. Hey, you never go and read more about Islam first before you jump into the religion. What what will your answer be to those people? You know, some people say you need to kind of like get certain knowledge until like they're fully clear about Islam before they become Muslim. How how would you respond? I did to that? think about that because as I've mentioned before, 
um, I felt like I had to gain more knowledge first to be able to make a decision, right? But then someone told me, um, do you know Muslims, they learn and they learn and they learn all the way until they die. Like there's so much about Islam to learn. They are never going to stop learning. And since your heart is open already, your heart is turned already, um, I think it is a sign that it's the best time for you to join Islam. Because especially um, at this point where you are able to make decisions for yourself, you're able to think for yourself, um, this is the best time to... Because I have already read the Quran, right? And I felt like my heart was open because of what I've already read. So if I don't revert now, what if I die tomorrow? What's going to happen? You know, if I die tomorrow, I'm not a Muslim, you know. But in my heart, I'm already a Muslim. So, <laughs> so to me, it was more of better now than later. Lah. So for the sake of the audience, what is a Muslim? Maybe you can share with us. What is a Muslim? A Muslim is a servant of Allah. As simple as that. I think a Muslim is someone who abides by um, Allah's words, Prophet Muhammad's teachings, um, simply because Allah told us so. And we have faith and trust in Allah that everything he asks, he asks us to do is right. And there is a reason why. Yeah, And it's our job to find out why. Mm, I think beautifully said. So... Uh, for those who are listening to this podcast and you know, watching the show, if you have any interest to know more about Islam, please go ahead and read the Quran and find out what Allah says in the Quran. Um, and also, of course, you know, go and, go and do your research and find the right teachers to, to guide you. Um, so, yes. Sister Jaina, from that point on, um, how did you end up with the name Jana, right? You chose Jana for your Muslim name, right? Yeah. Um, first of all, it sounds very alike Jaina. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's I mean it's easy it's easy to remember first of all but Jana is it's it's beautiful and if I was to say my full name like my full Muslim name it's Nor Jana Chan so Nor Jana is like the light from heaven and wow. that to me is beautiful yeah wow that's a nice name this so happened my name is Ferdaus also which is uh, <laughs> name of a heaven <laughs> mashallah yeah mashallah. beautiful name so um, how you, you, you're going to say something? You were like, going to say something. Oh, I believe that all Muslim names are beautiful and they all have very good reasons. And um, no matter what your Muslim name is, yeah. it's a good name. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, I mean, at the point in time, uh, also my wife was the one who gave me three three names and an option, you know, and then we asked our start and at the point, we end up with the word Fadaus. Um and, and alhamdulillah. I mean I to me the name matters a lot in the sense of you know the meaning behind the name and it kind of embodies the values of what you want to be as a person. Right? Definitely. Um, and uh, after after that, after embracing Islam, what were the challenges you faced? Mm, my mother didn't think um actually that was before I reverted to Islam. I when I reverted to Islam, I was already moved out of my mother's house. Okay. Um, so <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the story is this is my backstory, lah. So the story is that um, when I was in the midst of reading through the Quran for the first time, um, it also happened to be the period of Ramadan. Mm. 
mm. or before Ramadan. So my mom was actually watching me read the Quran for a while already, and then came Ramadan, and then I was like fasting secretly. Okay. And I think that was too much for her, and then she told me, "Why are you torturing yourself in the name of a religion?" In the name of a god who doesn't exist, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you hurting me? Why are you hurt? Why are you, you know, um, why are you turning into someone else that I don't recognize? Mm. So if you want to go down this path, you are no longer someone that I know. You, she didn't disown me lah outright, but she said if this is the path that you want to follow, then I'm sorry, you cannot stay in my house because these are not my values. Mm. Right. And then she gave me an ultimate. She gave me an ultimatum, lah. Say, okay, so if you want to do this, you better pack up your things and leave. And that was what I did, lah. Because to me, at that point of time, I know my mom best. I know that there was no point crying and you know hugging her leg, kneeling on the floor, and just begging for her to let me stay and whatnot. Because I know, um, that with my mom, actions matter more than words. There's no point explaining myself and saying this and saying that. Um, and I wanted to be very sure myself also. And at the point of time, I was really very sure. So I knew that if I were, if I didn't move out, I would not be able to practice Islam fully. I wouldn't be able to fast. I wouldn't be able to to pray. Um, and all these things were really important to me even before I said my shahada because I felt like these were the makings of uh, what would make me Muslim, I guess. Yeah. So, so you so, mean you, you tried out all the, the things first, like fasting, eating halal I went for food. classes first. Uh, yeah. And you, you learned all um, the basic stuff first. Yeah. I, I went to Darul Akam to learn the classes um, as I was finishing the Quran. Um, and I thought that they were really helpful because I think they were basic classes for new reverts, right? Um, and but I didn't dare to pray at home, obviously, because I didn't want to upset my mom. But since she was already so upset and gave me a choice to leave, then I told myself like there is no point upsetting her any further because um there is no budging. Yeah, I I knew I wanted to be a Muslim. I was firm in my decision, and she knew very well that um, at a point of time, <laughs> it was either I leave or I stayed at home and be the old me, and so I had to leave. Ah, yeah. So where did you go? <laughs> Your friend house. No, I went. I rented a room with my sister and brother-in-law so they had a spare room and alhamdulillah they were very nice they 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 wanted to let me stay for free but i said no you know i cannot i i have to pay some rent lah. even if it's a low rent i had to pay something you know because it's not right right for me to live there for free yeah and i was working at a point of time so definitely um so that was where i went and alhamdulillah they were very accommodating they were very accepting and they were really very nice to me yeah and it helps to have um, family with me, even though they were not my blood family, but they were like my chosen family. Mm. And and how did you manage to eventually reconcile with your mom? 
and um it only happened after she found out that I was pregnant actually after I got I after I reverted after I got married and then I got pregnant um all within the next year hmm. um yeah then being a mother um she obviously came from a place of love when she 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 chased me out of the house you know um so as a mother i think she was worried about myself uh, about my health she knows that my body constitution is not very good lah so she would check on me every day to ask if i if i've been eating right um she would give me advice on on what to do what to eat you know during my pregnancy and one i think basically she was just worried about me lah and that was when we started to talk more again and we didn't really talk about religion but i took that chance to show her that being muslim is making me a better person yeah and mm. it i mean it did it did make me a better person and i guess she could see that also and um i think most of all she was more at ease her heart was more at ease seeing that my husband is such a is so good to me yeah Mashallah, mm, I think that's the most beautiful thing you said. Uh, I mean, apart from the whole story itself, I mean, a lot of people would like to hear, you know, how the process is, and you know, not many people know how to you know how to even go through all that. Um, and I guess you also had a lot of faith and patience, you know, at that point of time. Um, yeah. So from from that point on, I guess now then you have uh, two children already. Um, and any more challenges that you face? There are definitely a lot of challenges in life, <laughs> yeah. whether you like it or not. But um, I think it is a good thing because Allah Allah only tests the ones that He loves, right? If your life is too smooth sailing, then I guess that is where you have to wonder if there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Mm. True, true. So, I mean, there are so many challenges in raising a family, being a new mom, in being a new wife, in being a new Muslim. There are so many roles, you know, like bundled up into one. But I cannot just give you one challenge and say, "Oh, I overcame it," because it's an ongoing test, right? Um, but Alhamdulillah, I think so far, I'm very contented. Lah, I'm very contented. I'm very grateful for what Allah has given me. Yeah, and um, I think it's very important for me to do my self reflection often. Yeah. And not mm. get too conceited and think, oh, now I'm already a Muslim, what? Yeah, like should okay lah, should be okay lah. Like I cannot be complacent. Hmm. I think I think yeah. your your advice is very very good. So, um, uh, before you go on to the last part, you know, what advice you want to give to people who are probably you know searching for the meaning of life? Hopefully, they are, <laughs> and uh, or you know, even finding out like, oh, Islam is something I want to know more. What would the advice be? But before we go there, I just want to know, like, um, do you have any problems, like, you know, going for halal food only or, uh, fasting? I mean, these are the two key things as a non-Muslim. Previously, I guess most people are like thinking, like, oh, how to fast? Uh, I never fast in my life, right? Yeah, honestly, it's quite hard for me as a new Muslim, especially when I first, uh, reverted, and ironically. It was easier for me to fast even before I became Muslim. I think at a point of time it was because I didn't have um other obstacles in my life, um, except that I had to fast in secret lah. But mm. as a young, healthy, 
adult female, I think that I was okay. And then later on, um, during the next Ramadan, yeah, and during the next Ramadan, I was already pregnant because we mm. got married um, soon after and then I got pregnant. And then fasting was really very hard for me. Yeah, and <laughs> every Ramadan since then, I've been trying. Um, and inshallah, this Ramadan, I'm going to Inshallah lah, inshallah I'm going to fast full. Um, but it's 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 one of the biggest challenges for me, fasting. Like praying is still okay. It's not so bad because it's something that you you learn and you practice every single day, um, five times a day and more until you get better. But I think fasting was the, is the biggest challenge for me as a new Muslim. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, besides fasting, right? We break fast already, and then we do taraweh, and yeah. that is like a long praying thing, right? We do. I mean, we, yeah. I guess um, the main thing I'm trying to say is uh, it might be a, a a huge challenge for new Muslims, but you know, it doesn't mean that we can't keep trying and trying and improving ourselves over time, uh. and and yeah. it should not be something that stops you from embracing uh, a religion, you know, Islam, because it's just speaks to you. Uh. I mean, and like you said yeah. perfectly earlier on, you don't know when you're going to die, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, if you die while trying to do all this and performing all these pillars of faith in Islam, like fasting, you know, or praying five times a day, at least, you know, you can answer to God and say that, yeah, I tried my best, you know, I'm trying to be a Muslim, practicing all this. And at least you can still say I died saying my shahada, which is the, yeah. the faith. Uh. Um, inshallah. So, inshallah. Yeah. Think, Thing uh, what you said was uh, very profound and also very deep. Uh, so finally, what is your advice to people uh, out there, you know, who are searching for the truth or, you know, even searching for life? Should they find the meaning of life? Is that important? In life? <laughs> I think there is no meaning of life without God, especially if you are a Muslim. And you, when you want, when you feel like this is the, the direction that you want to head towards, then you have to recenter yourself often. And question yourself, why am I doing this? You know, because it's very easy to lose track and it's very easy to get misguided along the way. But if you want to do this, you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm doing this for myself and for Allah. I'm not doing this because of my partner or or anything else. Um, and even as like yourself, right, we are parents of new Muslims, you know, our children, like how are we going to educate them for them to love Islam? It's the same thing because um, you, want, you want to love Islam first. You want to understand and, and, and know the true beauty of Islam first before you want to go into like the, the technicalities of it. You know, you don't want to worry about the praying and the fasting and the whatnot first. But I think you need to give yourself an intrinsic motivation um, to want to know more about Islam, to want to love Allah more and want to love Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu uh, Alaihi Cat got my tongue. Yeah, okay. but I think the intrinsic aspect of it is very, very important. Mm. Yes, the first, first have the, the sincerity in your own self going to find out this religion and you know love it yourself first and i mean you mentioned that you didn't tell your now husband right uh about this interest in islam so what happened when you broke it to him how did you break that news to him well you know 
Did he? What was his reaction? <laughs> if not, oh, my wife is now really going to revert. <laughs> I asked him about it, and he said he was very relieved. Uh, <laughs> really? It's like oh, okay. Really far, like okay, because if we are going to get serious and we're gonna get married, it's definitely going to be something that is going to be out on the table. Uh. It's something that we have to discuss, right? Mm-hmm. But it's 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 good that I wanted to learn more about Islam myself first instead of um him having to guide me from the start and trying to get me to love Islam. Like that mm-hmm. obstacle was already removed. Mm. Right. So I guess that was where he felt relief. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think you is it perfectly. So um anything else to add, sister? Um maybe you want to inspire us with something? Uh, I'm not very anything. inspirational, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean like now you're doing a business, right? Uh, selling these Anya meals. Uh so you know this baby food on, on your on your Instagram and all. How what made you actually go towards that? And how does Islam play a role in all this? Oh yeah, that's a very um, good question. To me, when we started um, Anya Mills, the baby food business, right? It wasn't um, just baby food. It wasn't just food to make your children feel full. But it was not only halal, it was also toyib. You know, it had to be wholesome. It had to be nutritious. Because taking care of our bodies is our own... Uh, amana, right? Um, Allah gave us this body. Allah gave us our children. We have to take care of them well, and it's not just to keep them full, but we have to make sure that they are um, fed with the most nutrient dense food to be able to thrive in many different aspects. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I think the, mm. that was what gave us the inspiration to start Anya Meals. Yeah. Okay, for the sake of audiences who are non-Muslim, what does amana means? <laughs> I mean, uh, right? It's like a responsibility. Mm. Yeah, mm. like you have a responsibility to take care of your own body. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because in Islam we believe that uh, Allah alone all this to us, even our hands, yes. our legs, uh, and they are all blessings given to us to live our lives here on earth, and uh, basically. They have rights as well, and they will also testify against you in the day of judgment if you didn't treat them well. Uh, so uh, I guess what you're saying in that in encapsulate the whole thing of like, amana in that sense. Yes, uh, definitely. You said it better. <laughs> okay. So um, okay. So we've come to the end of the stream. So ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions, do post them on the comment section below, and you know, inshallah, maybe we can answer them. Um, and without much further ado, we thank you again, uh, Sister Jaina, for you know sharing your story. It's really inspiring. Thank actually. you. Um, Thanks for having and, me. And do check out her Instagram, okay? Uh, Jaina.c and uh, connect with her if you're interested to get some Anya meals. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> everyone out there, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.